Hi, Bill. Thanks for joining me today. How's things? Things are good, Robin. How are things on your end? Things are always fantastic in the world of Cato Networks, and the security landscape is always evolving, so we always have new stuff to learn about. Yes, we do. So what have you got for me today? Robin, we got a couple things to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit of ransomware and then maybe even a little bit of social engineering. So uh, what do you think? Should we kick off with ransomware? Oh, yes. You're going to hold me to ransom. You already have my heart and my mind. <laughs> Take my data as well. Oh, my goodness. Hey, well, Robin, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Nevada. Uh, not sure if you've heard that going around, but certainly it's a recent news story. And for those who aren't familiar, I think... Nevada is not actually a ransomware, it's more of a ransomware operation. And this particular group is really increasing their their ransomware functionality, so to speak, particularly in the Windows and ESXi space. So VMware, uh, Microsoft Windows, uh, really it's it's getting a little bit worse in terms of what this group is is able to do. Worse in which way? Well, so they're they're increasing the capability of being able to lock files with their encryption. This was the way that we first got wind of this is that the Nevada ransomware group promoted their services on the ramp uh, darknet forum. So they basically put out an ad and this ad, Robin, was uh, in, in a way was a little bit amusing because it, it really showed motive, they were specifically seeking uh, Russian and Chinese affiliates. So they were very specific in wanting those affiliates, promising them that if they could arrange for initial access, then the ransomware would be deployed by the Nevada group and any ransoms that were paid, an 85% cut would go to the affiliates. So there you go. It's a, mm. it's a little bit profitable to do that. Yeah, sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme. So <laughs> if I go and infect another five or eight customers, then I get 85% of their revenue and we keep the, the ball rolling. Hey, not so bad. That's right. Yeah. And they, they do tend to use um, encryption standards that we know are, are actually very effective. So uh, advanced encryption standard to, to uh, you know, to lock down any of the files They'll even use elliptic curve cryptography. And we, we know that they tend to do it via uh, a Rust-based locker. Now, if you're not familiar with Rust from a programming perspective, get yourself familiar with it. We're starting to see it more and more. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating programming language in terms of the ways that it can sort of mutate to, to do what you want it to do. But, you know, as a part of their service, the Nevada operation not only will do that encryption, but they will provide a, a real-time chat portal so that we're, we're able to have chat with the victims, uh, we're able to chat with the affiliates, and they'll even create uh, individualized Tor channels. So uh, being able to secure that uh, network traffic from, from being tracked down to who the threat actors are. So they really are. They're really increasing their functionality, their capability. And uh, let, me, let me kind of finish this thought with the fact that although they are looking for specific affiliates, they have also made it very clear that they will not utilize their services against anything that is within the uh, locales of uh, Russia, Albania, Hungary, 
Vietnam, Malaysia, there's a, there's a few others, uh, but locales that they specifically will not target. So we, we're kind of getting a little bit of taste of, of maybe some of the, the political or social implications behind what they're offering. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this could be a state-sponsored attack by any chance? You know, the jury's still out on that, Robin. We, we really can't be sure. It's certainly motivated, perhaps by state-based concerns, but we we really aren't fully sure yet. Now, if if you are concerned, you know, you don't happen to be in one of those locales that is excluded from this activity, certainly, you, you know, you're going to want to keep an eye because it, it isn't the Nevada group that is going to do that initial compromise. Again, they're seeking affiliates. They're working together. They're offering an 85% commission. I even heard, Robin, that if you do it enough, uh, as an initial access broker, they may even bump it up to 90%. Such a deal, Ooh. right? Nice. Uh, in they, in they, the gold tier of partnerships. It's well. a gold tier. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you know, we, we we joke about it a little bit, but this is very serious. Uh, it, you know, we are seeing this. We There, there are uh, organizations that have been compromised. They typically don't see it until after the encryption is taking place. Then they see files with a .Nevada extension it's a dead giveaway and of course uh, nevada organization makes sure that they leave ransom notes in the directories as they do their work so we're starting to see it it's a real threat and we're, we're going to need to keep an eye out on this one i've spent many uh fun evening in the nevada desert i can tell you nothing good in my life happens in nevada but oh boy <laughs> i come away with a lot less money and regret. So I guess the same is happening with quite a few people out there. Now, one of the things that you can have fun with in, in say, Las Vegas is lots of icebreakers, lots of ways of meeting new people and lots of ways of kind of getting yourself into that environment. And I understand that there's been a few problems with icebreaker malware over the past few days. What's happened? That's right. And it's a perfect segue, Robin, because the icebreaker malware is targeting online gaming and wagering. So there you go. Something that you tend to, to do a lot of in, in Nevada when you're there on vacation or or for your conventions. But in this case, icebreaker uh, really is being utilized as part of a social engineering campaign. So what's happening is that threat actors are contacting customer service representatives of, uh, again, online gaming uh, organizations or, or wagering uh, services. And what they're doing is they first, when they, they contact the customer service representative, they will speak in uh, broken English and request a Spanish speaking uh, supporter. Now, depending on the organization, they may not have that, but the threat actors will actually use the language barrier to say that they can't explain very clearly what a problem that they're seeing utilizing the online gaming or wagering software. But if the customer service representative would be willing to download a screenshot, then they would be able to see what's going on. So of course, the customer service representatives click on the link to download the screenshot and it can even look legitimate, Robin. They're even using, uh, you know, sharing sites such as Dropbox to do this. But when they click on it, they download it, they hit the link. Uh, boom, here comes the backdoor malware. So uh, suddenly there is a foothold established where the threat actors can now get inside the network. 
So mm. social engineering attack with an icebreaker payload, not the kind of icebreaker that you want to take part in. It Nothing good happens with it. Do you ever want to take part in an icebreaker? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it depends how, you know, do you want to have deep, meaningful conversations? Uh, you know, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, most corporate icebreakers I've been to is just elephant walking and using each other as chairs instead of <laughs> the true meaning. So wow. with this backdoor that gets installed, is does it use some form of like stenography to actually embed the, the code in the, the image? Or does it use some more exquisite elusive techniques well so there's a little bit of confusion around that robin so we we talk about using steganography to embed payload inside of an image in our particular uh case that we're discussing here it is not necessarily an image it it will be that backdoor malware uh we we've even seen remote access trojans uh, the houdini remote access trojan that's one that's been in the news a lot lately they'll even use that to to establish that backdoor so we're claiming that it's an image we're claiming that it's a screenshot we can make it look like it's a screenshot but uh, of course it's you know what is embedded using multiple techniques ends up installing that back door. Now we we clearly there there are ways to prevent this. Certainly educating staff is going to be the most important whether it's a screenshot, whether it's a program, whether it's claimed to be files, education is going to be the number one thing that we do. We have to educate those uh, in this case these customer service representatives to say look we we just don't make a policy of downloading, uh, you know, images or or something that a uh, a caller may happen to be bringing in, uh, certainly might be an oppor opportunity to increase the diversity of your staff as well, so that when they ask for a Spanish speaker, you've got one, and maybe it takes a little bit of that social engineering aspect out. But Robin, there's technical controls that we can look at as well, both with Icebreaker as well as the fact that we were talking about ransomware earlier. If you have an intrusion prevention system or even a next generation anti-malware to prevent uh, potentially unwanted programs, uh, we, we refer to them as PUPS, but we, uh, we, we're, we're going to be able to prevent that. But user education, uh, customer service education in this case, uh, there's just no substitute for it. Customer service reps always have the best intentions at heart. People call them all day, every day, and their life is nothing but seeing a broken product. Somebody <laughs> needs help. Somebody needs something fixed. That's so right. it's in their, the goodness of their spirit to be trusting. It is. I mean, think of how many times you've sent log files to customer support, and they've sent you back responses. And at any point, you could have really held something malicious inside that, that zip file. And yeah, it's quite scary. That's what you yeah. need to protect. Now, you mentioned ransomware to begin with, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about ransomware as well. Kind of, uh, I'll give you some education today. Sounds now, great. Over the weekend, you might have heard of something called the CVE 2021-21974, the catchiest name I can think of for a vulnerability. But effectively, this has been a ransomware attack against VMware ESXi hypervisors. And we've seen reports that it hits over 500 machines this weekend. If you look on Shodan, a nice open source knowledge stuff, if you've never heard of Shodan before, I recommend you do it. We can see from that data that the majority of impacted servers were initially hosted on the OVH cloud, but the blast radius, like any attack, is expanding. Now, this ransomware attack against ESX 
has really caused a lot of waves. CERT-FR, the French government center for monitoring, alerting and reporting, they actually released an advisory to warn people. And anytime they release an advisory, you know because things are catching fire, things are terrible. And this is the first announcement they've made in 2023. Their previous one was in December 2022 against Fortinet. Apparently their 40 OS had a SSL VPN challenge, but that's for another episode. Yes. So the fact they've mentioned this is a very warning serious. It's, I see this as a big problem, Bill, for one really simple reason. This RCE, this exploit, was announced two years ago. It was officially announced in 2021. We're now in 2023. That is two years that people have had to patch, upgrade, and fix their machines. However, right. from this, it's obvious that people haven't done that, which has caused exposure. Hmm. You know what? Do you fancy a quick story time? I would absolutely. Give us a story. Right? All right, all right, come on. Let's talk history. <laughs> get, your, get your cocoa, get your blanket. Now... Let's go back, way back when, two years when we were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Some fantastic researchers at Trend Micro found this vulnerability and went over to VMware and said, hey, there's a problem. Your vCenter server is susceptible to an attacker executing arbitrary code within the privileges of vCenter server. Right. Now, for those who are not aware of ESX or the VMware infrastructure, the vCenter server is the centralized management platform for all virtual machines in the VMware ecosystem. It's the heart, effectively, of virtual infrastructure. It's the place where administrators go to manage virtual machines, they manage their networks, their storage adapters, and more. And by exploiting this vulnerability, an attacker could gain access to sensitive information, disrupt operations, and cause significant damage to organizations' yep. virtual infrastructure. Now, this vulnerability is a big deal, not just because you can gain access to a machine, but it's a gateway. It's a gateway for ransomware. Just like Magic the Gathering is a gateway to Yu-Gi-Oh! And Yu-Gi-Oh! is a gateway to spending thousands of pounds on Warhammer every week from personal experience. True story. Ransomware can cause literal impact to business operations. Millions of dollars. It can bring down your website. It can take down your operations and it can cause so many headaches for security and network practitioners. Hmm. Now, you know what? Since we're doing a story time, let's kind of jump back to basics. Ransomware is everywhere. People are scared of ransomware and for good reason. But there's four kind of key phrases or four key steps that I see within a ransomware attack. Hmm. The, the first is initial access. So an attacker will gain access to your network or it gains access to something that provides them direct connection to the VMware server. So imagine you've got your phishing attacks, clicking on email links, you've got network intrusion, somebody punching through your walls, or you could be piggybacking on another vulnerability to gain access to your system. Somehow the bad guys have got access to your network. So that's step one. Somebody has accessed your network. Once they're through the gates, Step two comes in, exploitation. So the attacker could exploit the vulnerability in the vCenter server by sending a specifically crafted request to the server. The request could contain malicious code, and that malicious code could be executed on the vCenter server itself. I mean, sometimes, once again, this could be done via vulnerability chaining, but keeping it simple. Initial access, exploitation. The third step would be code execution. So. The server has received the request, it's processed the request, and now it's decided to execute that malicious code on the server. 
That means the attacker can do what they want. They're walking around unchained, being allowed to just do what they need. So step four, the logical step four comes, comes in. And that's the data theft or the data disruption. The attacker now has access to sensitive data. It's stored in your kind of, uh, kind of think, think of it your mind bank. They've managed to get in not just the one application, but potentially all of your applications that have been hosted in a virtualized environment. And now they're deciding what to do with your network. You have lost control. They can disrupt your business operations. They can steal your data. They can take your payroll information. And all you have to do here is panic. <laughs> I don't like panicking. No. I don't like panic. So I want you to assume you're a network or security practitioner. You could be either because both are involved in a ransomware attack and everybody else. Now, nice. uh, and also imagine you're responsible for a large stack of servers. I'm going to pick on VMware this time, but this could be anybody. This could be Dell, this could be EMC, this could be Gigamon, whoever it's, it's irrelevant. How could you protect against this vulnerability? Now, the way I see it, you have two options to prevent against this sort of RCE. Something that has been released many years ago that is not in active news, but can still be a hole for your network. The first option is to spend a large portion of your life chasing vulnerabilities and patches, deploying packages and making sure every facet of your leaking ship of a network has glue attached and the planks are held together. Or... Hmm, what do you think the second option might be, Bill? Boy, you know, I think I just heard the Robin John's kill chain. There might be an option mm. to disrupt it. Well, good thing. That is correct. The Robin John's kill chain, patent pending, is to take a converged stance for networking and security, such as allowing Cato networks to protect you at every step of the attack cycle with minimal involvement required from you. So Kato secures and protects at the edge, meaning we can stop the bad guys before they can get into your house. Step one, initial access. How do we stop people from getting in? Well, we can block the users from getting into your network. We enforce a zero trust policy to secure direct access to resources with constant user verification. This means that only people you want to get access to your stuff can. Step two, exploitation, blocked. Malicious code can be stopped by engines such as our intrusion prevention system before the server can even be compromised. And to make it clear, Bill, yes, Kato does protect against this VMware vulnerability. We have been protecting against it for a long time. Our time to protect are fantastic, but that's more publication for a different podcast. <laughs> Initial access, exploitation, both blocked. Code execution. Well, you don't need to worry about that. We've already stopped the initial access and we've stopped the exploitation phase. But in the, the rare case that somebody's managing to execute code on an unprotected machine, you don't have to worry about step four, data theft or disruption. In the event somebody's compromised your device in a way that hasn't been caught, which is super rare, Kato can utilize its data loss prevention feature to prevent exfiltration, hard word to say, or theft while also preventing lateral movement of ransomware to other devices or sites on the network. Because Kato is just sat in the middle. We're protecting the edge. Even though your devices might be unpatched and vulnerable, we're preventing the people from getting to those devices to exploit it. Meaning that you are nice and relaxed, you can take it easy, and if everything is not 100% patched, that's fine. That can be a problem for later in the week. That's not priority one. And I can see you react there, Bill. It's not fine that things are vulnerable, <laughs> but Kato is sat in the middle protecting you. Right. But hey, 
I'm just the biased individual who got fed up in working in patch management and wanted to spend my days actually learning the product instead of clicking the word next, 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 next 70 times on each appliance. You don't have to listen to me, but I think you should. <laughs> All right, I went into a bit of a monologue there. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I love it, Robin. I, and, and what a reassuring bedtime story. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, that sort of story puts my wife to sleep. So hopefully uh, it didn't have the same effect for you. <laughs> Not at all. But anyway, until next time, Bill, hope you have a great week. You as well, Robin. Bye.